0: Good Wednesday morning, and today, Dr. John just finished with a week-long program he put on for doctors up at Augustine College in Canada, and one of the doctors had asked him a question while he was there, and now we are going to talk about ethics in the Georgetown mantra. Good morning, folks. Um, I've certainly talked about this before, uh, the the, the ordering of the goods in ethical uh, conversations, But when a doctor asked me a question to go through it again, um, obviously I haven't made it clear enough. So I want to be a little bit more didactic even than usual. Because it's important. Uh, All over the place you see ethics uh, being brought up in Canada at the moment. Trudeau is constantly uh, having trouble with ethics commissioners uh, trying to find ones that will uh, suitably uh, make him look good You've had the same problem in the States uh, with uh, the way some people get away with things and others don't. If there was a standard ethical system, it should be equal treatment. But that's what makes a society. Um, We're not in that state. So uh, ethics came into medicine as an explicit thing relatively recently. What a cultured does is it builds their whole network of uh, tacit ideas, things that you don't actually have to think about? The ethics of a society, certainly in sort of working class environment, is not taught but caught, and it was caught for two thousand years from the Judeo-Christian understanding of what it's all about. How do we decide how we should live with one another? And now it's falling apart. We. We're breaking down in a post-Christian world. So I go back a long way and starts with Deuteronomy. That, after all, is the first account in the Judeo-Christian story of what is required to make a culture flourish, to make a family flourish. That's what it's about, and we're clearly not flourishing at the moment in all sorts of ways. Everybody knows that, and that's good news in a way, because it means we're being opened up for the opportunity of, I would say, repentance. So, ethics came into medicine because things like abortion came along, and nobody knew how to handle them. We'd always said no, and that was it. And the 60s came along where Everybody had to have their own choice uh, equally valid, which, of course, is not true. And consequently, we had a breakdown of traditional society. These things happen. Now, the Jewish story, Deuteronomy, the commencement address, uh, in fact, is going to give us a very different approach than the one that's taught in medical school. The one that has emerged in medical schools over the, Over my lifetime, Uh, I call it the Georgetown Mantra. It comes from the standard textbook of medical ethics or ethics in medicine. Uh, The ethicists don't want uh, it to be called medical ethics. It became bioethics. Uh, That's word games again. But uh, there are four concepts in that. Outline, and that's probably all most medical students who become doctors remember. They can probably dredge up the four, which are uh, autonomy, justice, uh, beneficence, and non maleficence, or non malevolence, whichever you want. But it's really doing, so, maleficence is a better word. So, they don't ever. Say. Now, I've never met anybody who's been taught to think about the ordering. But the order does matter. We think we choose everything, but some things are consequentially structured. And what I want to make clear to you at the moment is that those four ethical concepts, they're not enough in my view as a whole anyway, uh, but we'll come to that next. But to deal with what young people, your young people, if they're going off to medical school, will have to deal with, we need to think about those four ethics, those four concepts. Uh, We ought to discuss them in church, but I've never come across it being discussed in church. So, I asked students, which is the most important? Which is top dog, so to speak? And the commonest choice would be, in our world, autonomy. Uh, All the stuff about the paternalism of medicine was coming from people who are saying you're treating us like children, taking away our autonomy. And we've become very sensitive about that. So we, instead of saying, okay, let's think about it, we just go ahead. And autonomy has become dom- dominant. But I think I can show you that that is not in fact the way that system works. The most fundamental of the four is actually what you will not do, and a society's stability depends primarily, I think, on what we do not tolerate, what we do not do, and they're pretty straightforward things. Uh, Nobody, I think, says it's good to kill, except, of course, abortion, so you pretend it's not killing. Nobody says it's good to steal, unless you do it legally in some way, and then it's called business practice or whatever. Uh, We actually know that something very like the Ten Commandments are known by everyone. Uh, Jay Budziszewski calls it what we can't not know, which is breaking all the basic English um, teachers' uh, efforts not to use double negatives, but of course they're common everywhere, often Forms of speech where a double negative means the opposite of what's actually been said. I don't know nothing actually means I know something. We know what's being said by the person who uses the phrase. So Budiszewski is saying, there are things written on our hearts. And there are. We know those things. And they're very like the Ten Commandments. If you dress them up under other terms, no, nobody will bat an eyelid if they don't recognize what you're doing you don't tell them, but we're being uh, very straightforward at this point. If a society really does not believe, does not accept the behaviours that are forbidden in the Ten Commandments, that makes policing a lot easier. A truly libertarian society said, well, he was imposing on my rights and I wanted my way, he wanted his, without any means of settling it except by power, which is what? The kids are being taught in school now that everything reduces to a power struggle. And that's simply not true. If everything was a power struggle, there'd be no contests between men and women. Uh, Men are stronger. But it's not a power struggle. It's a different world altogether. And so what God says through Moses, he said, if you're going to flourish as a society, first of all, Here are 10 ideas, 10 things that I will not, 10 behaviors that I will not tolerate. He doesn't give any reason. He just says, I'm God. I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt, i.e., this is a gift. You couldn't get out of Egypt on your own. It was grace that brought you out. So people who, you know, dumb down under grace and under law arguments, doesn't, the law doesn't disappear when you're under grace, but it is understood differently. So, uh, given in both Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, and in both cases, living uh, in the same way, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Now, don't do these things, or at least you can put them that way. And when that is accepted by everyone, it, creates an environment in which lots of things can be done and cooperation will emerge. Uh, It makes the family viable much more easily. Uh, uh, Getting them out of order and allowing the modern world to come in is not good news for us. Basically, the truth about us as human beings is if we break any one of those 10, we feel it on our souls and it scars us as people. If our If our families start to say, oh, we must make the children feel good before we do anything else, uh, they put kindness at the top of the list, undefined. A kindness that leads a child into thinking they can get away with things they can't get away with is not kindness. Kindness surely should be measured over a lifetime. If you've been kind to someone, it should be kindness wherever you look at it, from one to a hundred, if you like, looking back. Now, people are going to say, that's unkind, and then you say, well, no, I don't think so, because I'm speaking the truth. And to pretend to you that what you want to hear is true is not kindness, it's unkindness in the long run, because truth is more important than apparent kindness. So, our culture for centuries, was built on these things that we will not do. Non-maleficence, not doing evil. It is actually evil to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It doesn't make society richer, it makes it poorer. And you can see that the way we now curse and use bawdy language because we've lost the breadth and flexibility uh, and beauty of the language as it used to be. We're getting rougher around the edges. What's, however, you have those commandments inculturated, once they become the norm for society. Banking, for instance, utterly dependent on them. Banking is an act of trust of the highest order. You put, put some money into a machine or into a, a bank and you get a bit of paper in return. Now, that it's called a promissory note. But if autonomy trumps everything else, you only keep your promises when it suits you and the consequences for you won't be bad. So when the, the wall came down in between the East and the West uh, and banks started opening up in Russia in a different way, if you were foolish enough to put your money in a Russian bank, uh, the bankers disappeared and your money too. It took us, as Christians, almost a 1,000 years to be able to run our own banking system. The Jews had been taught from the beginning, if you make a promise to give somebody some money and they accept a certain amount, you may charge that amount of interest, not not a cent more. And to your brother, you ought not to charge interest at all. But the Jews knew that they had to be honest about it. Because if you're not, your banking system will go down. The 2008 meltdown was entirely an ethical failure where banks and government officials didn't put uh, first things first. They put their own loyalty to one another. After all, both sides of the equation were largely trained in the Chicago School of Economics, the most famous one in the world and Robert Fogel predicted that that would happen way back in 2000, before 2000. So the foundation is a a network of concepts that everybody accepts without thinking about. So when public education began, in many ways it was to achieve an understanding of our own history and to create uh, an environment where the children learn the way we live. So, I grew up in working class Birmingham. People had stopped going to church for the early 20th century to a large degree in the working class. But they had the Bible every day in school. So the biblical norms and behavior were acceptable. Not only acceptable, they were fundamental. So we didn't lock our doors children were polite to adults, divorces rare, promises were kept, and so on. And that all comes from that history. Now, once you've got that list of things you will not do in place and culturally accepted, you can, in your mind, you can easily extrapolate to the opposite. We think the physical world is expanding, but the moral world is fixed. It goes from truth to lies, from honour to dishonour, from justice to injustice, you get the picture. And we live in the middle of that world. Nobody's going to invent something beyond truth. That's that's a buffer. You hit it. That's the end of the line. And a frank lie is the other end of the line. It's a it's a it's a solid world. But it's it's difficult. Life is difficult. It's nuance. New new situations arise all the while, and. We make mistakes along the way. So the way we deal with that, I think, is by living inside a cultural story. We don't learn the philosophical principles, because we don't. Um, We're not capable of that as a whole. But we all love stories, and we inhabit the stories. And so the stories of the Bible are morally consequential in a different way than, say, the stories of the Islamic world or the Hindu world. Uh, I was reading just very recently, Leslie Newbegin's uh, opening of what was it pluralism and the gospel here, where an Indian scholar said to him, "Look, you Christian missionaries have lied to us. You didn't tell us really explicitly, that Christ claims to be God in a way that nobody else is. You pretended you, you tried to fit it into our society. It's, it's profoundly countercultural. We want you to tell us the truth. And you can't be fudged. There's a, there's a real conflict, and that conflict can only be resolved uh, by very serious effort or the act of God in your soul, ultimately. So different stories make some things possible and others not. It's not an accident that medicine, as we know it, only really flourished in the Western world. The experimental science only flourished in the Western world. It's because the cultural story had enough sustenance in the soil of it, if you like, for those things to grow. Uh, when you heard a pagan polytheistic pagan nurse or watched a polytheistic pagan nurse pick up a needle that have been dropped on the floor and put it in a vein, you know you're in a different culture. they have been taught about microbes. They've never seen us seen any. Most of us have never seen them. We all believe in them. Uh, but a pagan society believes that disease is caused by, caused by evil spirits. You're not going to get the same results there. That technology is not neutral. It has all sorts of underpinnings. So The Chinese, for instance, could build, can build just as well as we can, and they can make airplanes as well as we can, but the people doing it inhabit a different story. And for the Chinese uh, builder, he primarily cares that the buildings stay up as long as he's alive. He doesn't care if he pulls down afterwards. They recycle pass in airplanes, pretending they knew. The result, of course, will be that their airplanes crash more frequently, not because they couldn't make them just as well, but because the culture doesn't put that emphasis in the places where it did. I mean, the, the sense that you will be judged after death is vital to the practice of medicine, in my view. When it really decays, then you will do what you can get away with, That's what a Darwinian would do. So the story first sets up the negatives and then proceeds to the positives, which we never completely reach in this life, but at least we know what they are. Now within that story, which starts with a gift from God with transcendence, you now have the possibility of justice because God has told us enough about what he wants that that can be built into uh, a system of justice. And that the wonder of English common law, which is so much better than charters written by people currently dominated by ideas that turn out to be false, like uh, the Charter of Rights in Canada, which all uh, children are taught in school to regard roughly as, as holy writ, are uh, 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 no such thing as we can see as it works out. And when you look at who the main author of it was, that's not surprising. And it's been exported around the world to other places like South Africa, and they're having the same sorts of problems. We didn't need to do that. There there was no constitution for Britain, a written one. But common law goes right back to King Alfred, the first king who was truly Christian and could read and write uh, after the Romans and his wise wise idea was that when he sent judges out to go around the countryside to deal with difficult cases he said to them first ask the local people how they think they would go about it this ultimately grew into the jury system where 12 good men now good people uh just and true sit down and listen to a case and have the law explained to them, but then they can look at the outcome and say, yeah, but we don't think in this case that should be done. And so they, they refuse to convict someone. And that sets a precedent and it's constantly capable of being moderated. The government can make a law and then that law has to be put into practice but at the end, in the individual case, the individual becomes important in a way that communist states would never do. But we have that, and individual decisions become very important, so in English law, you hear lawyers going about centuries to get the precedents they want to bring up to defend somebody, and that's good. It's a remarkable system, and you merit Americans took it and brought it into their system too. But you always have the bureaucrats and the intellectual elites. They want to codify it all the while. But whenever you reduce something as complex as human life to a set of rules, you're bound to lose something on, on the way because we're more complex than that. Laws don't cover every situation, but common law gives you a, a way of responding to that. And then the people who are making the law and the lawyers alike have to think their way through it, and so it goes on. Only when that justice system is in place can autonomy be safe. Autonomy without the pressure of that kind of history and that kind of law degenerates into totalitarian and oppressive government. It's inevitable, and that's what happens. So. Those four principles are ordered. And of course, that also points out immediately there is a problem. If there is no longer a belief in God and there is no transcendence, that system will fall. It will collapse. I mean, we see very clearly that uh, there is a conflict in our society at the moment about what is good for children. And there's one group of people who want to say it's it's most important that children realize there are many sorts of families and that two people of the same sex are just as good as heterosexual couples. Of course, the, the, the empirical data shows very clearly now, uh, even in the Canadian statist- government statistics, there's no question that a heterosexual couple produce children who have less problems in life than any of the other groups. Um... Single parents and homosexual men are about the same. The worst are, in fact, two female parents. Uh, That's just empirical data that has, the Canadian government has published in government uh, documents. We need to be honest about these things. Now, there's some things you can't pull together, can you? Uh, One of the difficulties with Islam is that they don't come to be enculturated into society. They're taught that they are the rightful rulers of the world, and in due course Allah will see that everybody bends to their rules. Do we act as though we believe that they believe it? Well, it's patronizing not to take their beliefs seriously, to pretend that they're children and don't really know what they're doing. Hence, we see that the biblical concepts of things like nations are very different. Nations in uh, the Bible start with language. If you don't have a common language, there are problems from that. Uh, In Canada, bilingualism is an official policy, but it's constantly causing friction. The same is true in Belgium, which has French and Dutch. Uh, I don't know of a place where there are two languages which are co-equal that work without any problem. Now, if we were more capable of speaking, it would be different, but we grow up in families where we learn our first language without any formal training. And no matter what schools do about it, that cannot be challenged. So, without transcendence, That system fails, so that's why we're defaulting to utilitarian ethics. We have a much reduced ethical system when you say, well, I want the greatest good for the greatest number, as judged by whom? By me, the great almighty who's speaking to you, not God. There are no ultimate standards. So you can look at COVID and see how that worked. A few people decided what everyone should do, and it's quite clear they didn't get it all right, and so far, they have not apologized in any way. Hopefully that will happen and we will learn from it. What essentially got lost in COVID as far as I'm concerned is precisely those transcendent dimensions. If you measure life as being the only thing that matters, you've really got a problem. My wife and I decided we would not go into an intensive care. We would not go to hospital because very early on it was clear to me that if you were elderly and you got this disease and you started to get sick, you were very likely to die. Now, having spent 50, 60 years together, we didn't want to wave goodbye through a glass panel, which is what they made us do. That was absolutely inhumane. What we had was uh, a policy designed by people who don't seem to have met any people in their lives they only met numbers and data on a computer screen, and they thought that was adequate. So what got lost was humanity, uh, and hopefully we're going to deal with that in the next um, stage of this phenomenon. As we we get more and more power over nature, we've got to make sure that its use is properly controlled. Now, one of the uh, young doctors at our conference last week is uh, currently on leave of absence because he he said what was done in COVID was unacceptable to him because it did not respect individual individual lives adequately. Uh, that it's interesting, is it, that the pro-choice side of the argument gives the choice up entirely over COVID. They're the least choice orientated. When it's something they want to do, of course, choice is dominant. When it's something that may affect them, then the choice of other people is not dominant anymore. Now we want the rule that gives a utilitarian outcome where uh, the, the greatest good for the greatest number is what you're supposed to be talking about, but it isn't what you actually talk about. and. This is gonna be a complex and nuanced discussion going on for a long while. But the pattern has been seen for some time. In the education system, some years ago, Richard John Newhouse wrote a brilliant piece. I think it was Newhouse. It was certainly a brilliant piece. I'm sure it was in uh, First Things. Uh, but what what was done in this discussion was looking at the education system in two places. One in uh, Massachusetts and one in near Philadelphia. Uh, one of them may have been a an aggregate of uh, different statistics, but the point was that the liberal elites in Massachusetts were very good at telling working-class people how the education system should work, but they sent their own children to private schools. They would say uh, that, oh, yes, all forms of sexuality and marriage are equally valid, but they themselves chose basically to stay with the old system, to take marriage seriously, to stay married, etc., uh, etc. Et Meanwhile, they undermine ordinary working-class people who live by those rules without knowing them, so we're in no position to fight back, and they, the children have to learn about sex before they have had an orgasm, Uh, or even know that it's going to come, that all forms of marriage are equally valid, all cultures are equally equally valid, instead of teaching them about the differences that are real and teaching them judgment. No logic taught at all. No great stories. Uh, The book that made us is banned, the Bible. Take it out of schools, particularly in North America. It didn't happen in, in Britain, because they at least understood that You needed to teach the Bible to children if they're ever gonna enjoy Shakespeare because without the Bible, you cannot understand Shakespeare. So that's my little spiel at that level. Uh, I hope there'll be some uh, feedback because it helps. But the first thing is what we will not do. A good man is made complete by what he will not do. Uh, When you've got those negatives in place, you can understand the positives and set out to do what is good as understood from that. You need to understand that we do it by a narrative, that we live, and in most cases we picked it up without knowing it. It just became what is what can be expected in this society. And you see that. You could be dropped down around the world without any knowledge of where you are and deaf, and you could watch and you would see which society you were in. Though, as the stories differ, so the justice system uh, changes. Curseless darkness at noon is a lovely example of somebody who had bought into the Marxist view and allowed himself to be executed unjustly for the sake of Marxism. And only then can you get to autonomy and autonomy is uh, a product of uh, of a structure, Autonomy without justice will degenerate into anarchy uh, and worse, tyranny. So, no transcendence, we have a problem with justice and with medical ethics. Well, having ruined your day, I'm sure that uh, you'll all run off and not come back to this site again, but I think what I've said is true. Thank you, Dr. John, and thank you guys all for listening. Again, if you did hear this and you have questions, you could reach out to us. You can go to www.johnpatrick.ca forward slash ask or check the links down below and you could ask a question. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you all next week.